All right, it's Thursday. Thank you for joining us. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas. And this is our Journey Through Scripture series. And honestly, it doesn't matter what day you're listening to this. It doesn't have to be a Thursday. It can be any day of the week, any hour of the week. If you're having trouble sleeping, maybe I can help you go to sleep. Put this on and you'll be out within a few minutes, I promise. So, But I'm glad that you have joined us. Uh, we are continuing our, our chronological journey through Scripture. We are in Leviticus. Um, we are going to be looking at Leviticus chapters 11 through 17 today. So I encourage you, if you need to, if you'd like to take a, take a pause, read through 11 through 17, uh, and then let's dive into it. So again, we've, re- we've talked about this before, but we want to, I want to reiterate that there are many cultural things that we don't fully understand uh, within Scripture. Uh, that doesn't mean that there is not uh, a, a, wasn't a reason for it. There would have obviously been a reason for it. It also doesn't mean that it's something that we should try to somehow force to fit into our culture. Um, we need to look behind it at what is the truth um, and the the spiritual understanding uh, that is behind some of these cultural things that we don't fully understand. And so these. Uh, laws, the dietary laws that we see in Leviticus chapter 11 are definitely some of those things we don't fully understand what's going on here. It's like, why is that clean? Why is that unclean? Why can we eat this? Why can't we eat that? Um, There's lots of discussion on this and um, someone who is uh, much more steeped in Jewish uh, tradition uh, would have much better answer than than I. Um, But I, I think some of it is probably health reasons, right? You know, you, there's things that you shouldn't eat. <laughs> and, and as you read through most of it, whenever it says, here's the things that are clean and here's the things that are unclean, you're like, yeah, I kind of know why that one's on the unclean list. We'll keep him there, right? But uh, so it, it has something to do probably with health. Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting is uh, some will say most of the things that are unclean, they are kind of they don't fit uh, their category well. For example, like bats. You're not supposed to eat bats. Well, a bat is a mammal that flies. It's like, okay, so that that doesn't make a lot of sense. Same thing with uh, you're not supposed to eat fish that don't have scales. Well, shouldn't fish have scales? And the majority do. So the majority are clean, right? But there are some who are unclean. And so so we see these dietary laws. We, We don't fully understand uh, the reason behind all of them of why one animal is clean and one is unclean, but um, there there certainly was a reason behind it, and these were given to the people, and the people were expected to to follow um, these these laws. Now, these were given to the Jewish people here in this time. It was not something that was expected. Uh, for every nation to follow, we see throughout uh, you know the New Testament that it talks about this and how this wasn't a requirement for Gentiles. Um, but we still can kind of understand some of the spiritual significance of this. Again, remember one of the main themes in Leviticus is being holy and God consecrating His people, right, preparing His people to be holy as He is holy. In fact, in in chapter eleven, it says that. Uh, to be be holy as I am holy. Um, and so the process of eating, of gathering your food, that was a very consuming aspect for the people. So it was important that they recognize that all aspects of their life, are to, they are to strive to be holy. 
right? And, and it, it was important that they discern every decision that they make, even on what they eat, um, is important to God and matters to God. And it, it, uh, it is a process of becoming holy, right? So, so we see that in the dietary um, things that we see all through chapter 11. Um, and, and again, one thing that we're going to see as we go through, there's all of these things that God doesn't want you to do, right? But yet there's always a, a way to find redemption. There's always a way uh, to overcome you becoming unclean in order to become clean. Um, and we see that throughout Leviticus. And of course, that is a, a theme of, of redemption and salvation that we see throughout Scripture. Uh, chapter 12 uh, talks about childbirth. Okay, so now um, what, what are the, how do we handle that? I want, this is, this one's kind of interesting. I just want to uh, touch on, it kind of jumped out to me. Um, it says uh, that, that the woman, whenever they have a child, there needs to be a, a period that they, that they kind of are uh, uh, set aside, set as, apart from, from society. They are to be with their child. Um, and, and at the end of that, they can, they can become clean again, right? This doesn't mean that what they did was sinful. Um, there, again, there's probably some health reasons that go behind some of these things. Uh, but so, uh, others of it is just, okay, I'm going to follow what God said, right? And I'm going to do that for a purpose. We look at them, we go, ah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. One of the things is that the woman would have to spend twice as much time before she could become clean again after having a female child than when she had a male child. And of course, we're kind of geared to, to see everything as, as always being against women, which throughout history, we have lived in very patriarchal societies and we, we still have uh, elements of that today, right? I mean, we, we know that that has been an issue throughout history. Uh, and it was an issue in biblical times, but the Bible actually is quite incredible about how it's trying to break uh, those uh, those stereotypes. Uh, but we see that and we're like, oh, of course, it's the the you have a male child and you're able to you know get back <laughs> into into society and become uh, clean again sooner than if you have a female. The reality is we don't know why there's this difference. One thing that's interesting to me, though, that I was reading is while sometimes we kind of bring our our normal thought process and say, well, this is just discriminating against uh, the female child again, that they are not as important. What this is actually doing is it is forcing the mom to spend more kind of that bonding time with the female child than with the male child, because in that society, there would be, you know, throughout the world male children were valued more than female children. And in fact, female children sometimes could be discarded. And so here this law is actually ensuring that more time is spent with the female child than with the male child. Just another way to look at it, we don't really know. Uh, I do find it interesting how sometimes we always bring a, <laughs> a more negative and critical view to this whenever it, it may actually hey, this may have been breaking some of those patriarchal, uh, negative patriarchal th uh, themes that we see uh, in that time period and sometimes in the Bible. So we have chapter 12 that talks about that. 
Chapter 13 talks about leprosy. This is talking about all kinds of different skin diseases. It also talks about fungus. Um, clearly, that could be a major problem um, and was obviously one of the predominant health problems uh, within that society. And so, so a lot of this is just health concerns, okay? We've got to be careful. We don't want this to spread uh, throughout uh, the group. Um, but, but chapter 13 talks about all the reasons that people can be unclean, and it's kind of depressing, and, and what they have to do. They have to segregate themselves and separate themselves, and um, you know that they view themselves as, okay, now I am unclean. Um, I even need to say that I am unclean so that no other people come near me, um, and, and it's, it's uncomfortable. We look at that and say, oh, that's, that is, that's harsh, but for health reasons, that was probably... <laughs> In that day and time, you couldn't go to Walgreens and get a cream to put on it. Um, you know, it's like, okay, let's not have this spread throughout the community. But we also see uh, this idea, okay, we, it's important for people to recognize that they are unclean. But then chapter 14 goes into, okay, but how do we get people back to being clean again? Right? So the Bible does say, yeah, there are times that you are unclean, but we're going to work to get you back to where you are clean. And, and the, the process, the rituals of that are pretty interesting. And in fact, one of the rituals of, of a person being able to be made clean again, the actual, the priest would uh, anoint them with oil, would put their hands on them. It was very similar as when they were consecrating a person to be a priest. They kind of do some of the similar ritual acts as bringing someone back from being unclean back to being clean again, uh, because it's so important. That's where God wants us. God want, doesn't want us living in the filth, right? He doesn't want us living in the sin. Um, and, and so this imagery that we see here, the spiritual kind of underpinnings uh, of, of this are, are very important to, that we, we still see those that, okay, God is always desiring us to be moved from being unclean to being clean again. Then we have chapter 15, and I, you, who doesn't want to really dive deep into issues of bodily discharges? I mean, I was so excited to read this chapter. You know, you just want to spend days and days dissecting this. That's not going to happen. All right. This again, obviously there's some health issues here and God knows that there's some health issues there and it was important to think about that. And, uh, and so again, there's some ritual stuff here going that we don't have to follow today. Um, but if you want to delve into chapter 15, by all means, go ahead. Now, chapter 16, on the other hand, is actually very important. This is where we see uh, the idea of the Day of Atonement. Um, in fact, I, I believe that was last week um, for the, the Jewish faith, was the, is the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Uh, and I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that exactly right. And this was, this is very important. And, and so what the, the basic theme of the Day of Atonement says uh, and Aaron shall bring a goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering, but the goat on which the lot uh, fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as a scapegoat into the wilderness. So the process was that 
the high priest would first sacrifice a bull to uh, offer sacrifice to make the whole temple clean. Um, and then there would be two goats. One would be sacrificed. Uh, the other, the sins would be put on that goat and it would be sent away, no longer to be with the people. Right? And, and so what are these sins? What, what's the, this, is, this is a big thing. It's kind of recognizing the societal sin problem. Uh, in verse 16 of chapter 16, it says, So he shall make atonement for the holy place. Uh, because of the uncleanliness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions for all their sins, right? So the, the idea again here is the importance of being holy, of consecrating the temple, consecrating uh, the tabernacle at this time, consecrating the people, that they recognize that not only is sin a problem as an individual, but it's a problem for the whole group. And we're uh, striving to be holy as he is holy. And, and uh, it is vital that we understand that. And that's something that we really struggle with, that we don't want to really talk about as a society, the sins of our society, or, or we do, or we use them as weapons, right? But we're not trying to actually fix anything. Um, you know, we, it is important that we understand the, the gravity of this as, as a foundational understanding of our relationship with God is the need for atonement, right? There is a, a desperate need for that because without it, we, we can never be holy as he is holy. We are separated from him, right? And so the day of atonement, and, and obviously looking through a New Testament lens, a Christian lens, we are, we are seeing um, how Christ is going to fulfill this and that he is going to take the place, right? But the, the idea is the same. It's that all of us have sinned. Even as a society, we have sinned. We need to be atoned for. Those sins have to be atoned for. Um, and, and that sacrifice is needed. You can't just snap your fingers and say, okay, everything's atoned for. I'm, I'm sorry. No, there, there has to be a cost to this. There's a consecration to this. There's, in order to be holy as he is holy, um, we have to go through that sacrificial process that we are recognizing um, our sinfulness and we are asking for atonement uh, uh, for it. And so not only is there the goat that is sacrificed for our sin, but then this idea of, okay, now we are, we are recognizing that sin and we are sending it out. We are getting it away from us. Right? That is so important for us, for your relationship with God, that you are looking at your life, you're finding and the, the sin that is in your life, and you're saying, okay, I, I desire for forgiveness. I desire to find atonement for this. And then I want it gone. I want it out of my life. Right? That is uh, so important. And so find that scapegoat. Put your sin on that scapegoat. Get it out of your life. Um, God clearly doesn't want us to be uh, burdened by our sin constantly. And so he, from the beginning, from as he is beginning this process with his people, uh, he provides a way of atonement, of finding forgiveness, of moving on uh, unburdened by sin. Verse seven or chapter seventeen goes into the sanctity of blood. the The idea of blood was a 
life force. It was the source of life. It was important throughout uh, that culture, throughout the world. Um, it says uh, the instructions are not to eat blood so that you, um, you and, and of course this is dealing with sacrifices of bringing uh, animals to be sacrificed. Uh, one of the things that this is kind of doing, um, it's putting these restrictions on the people where anytime an animal was killed uh, to be eaten or, or not, it was to be brought to the taber- tabernacle to be offered. Um, and so that the, the priest would, would know about it, would go through the rituals, uh, and then that animal could be eaten, right, after the blood was drained. Um, well, part of that was uh, trying to make sure that people understood there, you do not sacrifice animals to any other god. It is only done here at the tabernacle to the one true god. Um, and so if you followed these requirements, that would never happen. You would never be offering sacrifices to other gods because you would always be taking that sacrifice to the tabernacle and to, uh, to, uh, to the, the priest who would handle the, the ritual. Uh, so, so we see that, uh, again, there's a lot of things that are ritual in here that we are not expected uh, to follow today. Um, but the underlying truth, the underlying spiritual truth, are things that we, we desperately need to understand and hold on to for today. Um, next, next week, on next Tuesday, I encourage you to read chapters 18 through 22. Um, and now we're going to start getting some more laws that are not necessarily just rituals about the way you go about um, doing things, but the way that you actually interact with other people. And chapter 18 has a very controversial um, <laughs> uh, things that God, God says. So we will look at that. So again, take some time, read 18 through 22, and we will talk to you next Tuesday. Have a great weekend.